Everybody and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Welcome back, or welcome uh, if this is your first time listening. Uh, welcome to this episode. Um, this has been really fun. This is episode 13 for me. Uh, really exciting. Um, I've done more episodes than the age of my guest today. <laughs> Milo is my youngest guest so far on the show. He's 11, and uh, he just did a great job. It was a really fun interview we had with him. Um, Due to his age, we were not drinking alcoholic drinks, uh, so I put out a recipe for um, homemade ice cream, which I made into a milkshake. Uh, It turned out really, really well. I did a mint chip ice cream with some mint from our garden, Um, and then, yeah, you can just take that out early. from the freezing process and just not let it churn for quite as long. And it, it's a, it's a fantastic milkshake. Um, so enjoy that. If you get the chance to check that out, that's on my social media right now on, uh, at Cineflex pod on Instagram or at Cineflex on Twitter. Um, next week on the show, I have, um, a friend of mine, Mallory on to talk about the, uh, fantastic shark, movie deep blue sea so that's gonna be really really fun um i had a great time watching that i was not expecting it to be as good as it was um so check that out on hulu right now it's streaming on hulu uh hopefully you have access to that and uh yeah give that a shot um without further ado let's get into the show thank you everybody Milo. Hi. Thanks for coming on, man. I called you Zach a few weeks ago. Yeah, you called me Zach. It was it was really funny to listen to that. I was like, oh my gosh, he called me Zach. Um I don't know how that happened. I I saw Z Coleman and then I was just like, oh Zach. I I don't know what Z and C equals Zach. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess. I yeah, you know. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, man, and picking um Grand Budapest Hotel. What a what an awesome movie and what a treat to see this again. Uh yeah. Yeah. I I love it. That's one of my favorite movies. Love it so much. Yeah. I've I've um I've realized that the past past episodes I've put out, I haven't explained what the movie's about. <laughs> so do you wanna like give like a brief overview of like the plot and sort of Uh yeah, that'll be difficult, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, do your best. Grand Budapest Hotel is a story based all around different decades. Um, and uh, it is about a hotel, a famous hotel in Zabrovka. And uh, the lover of the owner of the hotel passes away from a murder. Mm. And they, oh my gosh, it's a shock. <laughs> I, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Um, and the the death squads believe that the owner did murder her, and it's uh it's uh and everything gets entangled and 
it's difficult to explain because there's like about 50 million characters. Yeah, yeah, and they're all like Oscar winners. <laughs> yeah, they're all like. It's a stacked cast. Owen Wilson is in one shot of the movie. Like it's <laughs> he's only there for one scene, and then she's just gone. It's not a Wes Anderson movie without Owen Wilson, though. I mean, I yeah, because his first movie, Bottle Rocket, had Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson in it. He was they, best friends with them in college. Yeah, they were college roommates. Yeah, and then they made the short film. He made the short film Bottle Rocket with them. And then that got so much money from a film festival that he decided to make an actual full film of it. I know. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I love mm. the story of that getting made. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this movie is, is, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite Wes Anderson, though. I really love it. I would say, though, that it's the most beautiful of his movies. It's just the most intricate world and i think there's something about like watching a movie i mean i think this is what he and like david fincher have in common is just like you're watching a movie and you know that like everything you see on screen is exactly where they wanted it yeah yeah very his movies are very symmetrical all of them yeah especially this one uh every single shot is like almost exactly symmetrical besides like a character being on one side or another yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And and he used to use more handheld stuff and he and especially in this one it's a lot more it's a lot more precise. I think people have talked about how um how his style changed after he did animated stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, like so Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox was 2009. Uh, I think that was like yeah, I think it was 9. I remember it because I was born in 2009. So <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like super cool that oh, I was geez. born. I was born on the same day that Ratatouille was made. Yeah, but after yep. he made Fantastic Mr. Fox, you can see that it changed because his next film after that, I believe, was Grand Budapest Hotel. Moonrise Kingdom was in between. Oh, Moonrise yeah. Kingdom. But Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest wow, uh, has these, uh, you know, long distance shots of the hotel. And they're all from clay, they're all claymation. Every single know, one of so those. That's so awesome. Which is really good. To, it's really great to see that. And Fantastic Mr. Fox is, you know, such a great movie. Oh yeah, for sure, for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, he uses a lot of like miniatures and like the set decoration and stuff. Um, what what specifically like draws you to this movie? I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's your favorite Wes Anderson, right? Yes, it's my favorite Wes Anderson, but Wes Anderson's my favorite director. Okay. Out of, you know, everything. Uh, but I love this movie because, well, let's see. It's not the movie that got me into movies, but it's one of them. Mm -hmm. So this year, right as the beginning of quarantine happened, I was, like, bored, and I couldn't do anything. And uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to watch. I started getting into, like, horror a lot, like, a year before. And... Then, you know, I've always wanted to watch a Wes Anderson movie. So uh, one day I sat down with my dad and we watched Grand Budapest Hotel and I loved it. I adored it. And so that's really what got me into movies this year. Of course, we watched like Thirteen Limited next. And then I started watching a lot more movies and I got Criterion and all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love but it. Man. I really, I love beautifully, you know, beautiful cinematography based movies like that you know very intricate great score amazing acting and you know it's comedy but it's not full-on comedy it's not like american comedy yeah it's you know like it's not like um what's a good 
like a Judd Apatow movie. It's not a Judd Apatow movie. It's right, I know what completely you mean. off that. Yeah, and like I was noticing how many just like small visual gags kind of like are in the movie this time, especially like like there's this shot of um Jude Law that's who who who's um like right when he's listening to F. Murray Abraham talk and like Jason Schwartzman like peeks in the frame. Oh it's yeah, like, he peeks in these- the frame because he says because the because F. Murray Abraham says like. Uh, the monster's not so great, or like something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and he peeks in the frame, <laughs> and that's really good. That's a really great shot. It's so great, and there's so many like subtle things that are just like so precise and adorable in this movie. Um, I, 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 have you seen all of his movies at this point, or like what, what have you seen? No, I've, I have not seen many of his movies actually. Mm-hmm. I'm really scared to watch more of his movies because. <laughs> I feel like I'll get leapt down, but no. I will say I've watched, okay, Fantastic Mr. Fox was like my favorite movie mm-hmm. of all time for a very long time. Uh, so I love that one. I've seen Isle of Dogs, love Isle of Dogs. Um, I, I actually always wanted to watch Isle of Dogs, but I was so scared to watch it because I was like, he's going to ruin his animation streak. Um, <laughs> and then I finally watched it and I was like, yeah, it's the best movie of all time. Uh, and uh, Darjeeling Limited, and I've seen Bottle Rocket. And... Moonrise Kingdom? Oh, yeah, Moonrise Kingdom, obviously. Wow. And, uh... Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, because I feel like I remember a few scenes of that movie, but I don't... I haven't watched it recently. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think this is his most... Uh, I think it's his highest grossing movie, I think. And then Yes, also... it was. It yeah. Actually, this was, like, the movie that actually kind of, like, you know, Royal Tenenbaums propelled him to being, like, an actual, like, mainstream director. But uh, this is the movie that, you know, when this movie came out, I think it was, like, 145 on, like, IndieWire's best best of all time or something. Yeah, and, you it know, was a big deal. It's a big deal. He started, he got, like, a ton of nominations for this one as yeah, well. Yeah, he won a lot of the, like... Yeah, screenplay, I think. Line. Uh, screenplay. Uh, look this up so I don't get this wrong. Yeah, he. he, he screenplay, like makeup, five. design. Uh, I don't know. Score. He won score. Uh, he, okay, so he won production design, yeah. music. Okay, for Alexander Desplat. Thank was God that guy so, has an Oscar now. Oh so deserves makeup and hairstyling, and you know that's for Tilda Swinton. Yeah, that's <laughs> like when they were showing when they were showing like. Uh, you know, whenever they do like the Oscars and they're announcing them, they like show something on screen that's like the best part of whatever that is. Like if they're doing yeah. acting, they'll show a scene that has great acting in it. And they only showed Tilda Swinton's face like five times on the screen. <laughs> because <laughs> well she... Well Yeah. I, I think I remember him talking about how um, he wanted to do this movie as cheaply as possible because it was kind of on a budget. But then for her makeup specifically he was like just get the most expensive best makeup artist you can i want this to look incredible and i it totally paid off she's 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 like she's like a 40 year old woman playing like a 90 year old woman yeah but damn cvdut yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and i love her weird contacts that look like she has like cataracts or something and yeah and her mouth is always like open and like very (laughs) she's got like all of these wrinkles in her skin uh she does she is like on screen for like two minutes but it's a 
it's a really funny performance. It's a really she funny. Steals she, she, she steals, totally steals the show. She totally steals the show. It's really great. It's so great. It's so great. Um, do you want to do? Okay, so the way I've been doing it recently Ooh, is I've been is, doing. This is new. This is new. This, this is very is, new. We're changing things. Um, we're gonna do a draft, but you can draft. Ooh. You can draft anything. Uh, I guess I'll draft scenes because. This movie has so many great scenes. Like, they're all so outstanding. What's, what's your favorite scene in this? Okay, my favorite scene, and one of my favorite scenes of all time, probably the most beautiful scene, in my opinion, yeah. is when it, he finally has to talk about Agatha to Jude Law. And, you know, he starts crying and all that stuff, and then, he, and then it cuts to back then, which is actually great. I actually didn't say this, but the aspect ratio changes every time the a new decade changes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, which is great. Uh, so that's like something that uh, is like an underrated thing and that I didn't even catch until like my third watch. Yeah. And then um, also the aspect ratio has to do with um, kind of the style of, of the, of the filmmaking of the time. Changed. Right. Yeah. Because he, he goes to the sixties and it's that widescreen, like 70 millimeter that you'd see. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the epics of the time, he goes to the thirties and it's the four by three that you'd see in classic Hollywood. And then he goes to present day and it's like 16 by eight, 16 uh-huh. by nine. But yeah. Uh, but that scene and uh, so he's like going over like when, you know, he, he proposes to Agatha and all that stuff. And then they get on the carousel and this is my, one of my favorite scenes of all time. They get on the carousel and, you know, the music starts playing, the carousel music starts playing in the background and he gives her the gift and explains what the entire gift is before she even opens it. And it's like a really, you know, he has to, it's, it's hard for him to speak about this, you know, to Jude Law yeah. because it's like a very sad thing for him. But you don't know why it's sad. He doesn't explain, it's not explained why this is such a sad and important scene. And then... He, and then it shows her face with like all of the colors in the background uh, going all over the place. Such and it's, a great shot. It's an amazing shot. It is, in my opinion, the most beautiful shot of all time uh, with like all the colors going all over her face. And that's, that's my favorite scene. I'm not uh, counting the part where uh, Monsieur Gustave uh, uh, flirts with her because that, I, I don't know, that's like off to the side compared yeah that's fair that's fair yeah it's really sad that they didn't end up together like that that always makes me sad about this movie because i mean yeah i was watching a uh Mm -hmm. wes anderson did like an interview with criterion and he was talking about what makes a wes anderson film a wes anderson film and all of his films are beautiful and like happy and funny and then right in like the middle or like maybe near the end there's a really sad bad scene that affects all of the characters but you don't really you know it's underlying you don't really cry at it so like i guess darjeeling limited the scene where he falls into where the boy the, the falls kid, into the, the river bo- yeah i was them. gonna say the kid yeah and like you know royal tenenbaums the suicide um but yeah. then i'd say like for this i feel like it's agatha or maybe uh Maybe his explanation of Agatha is a very sad scene, but I think that it's probably the Ag- Agatha's death at the end is one of the saddest scenes. The fact that they don't get together and that you know he tells them that the he tells the screen that it, the uh, the it, that disease that she had is now cured in a week or something. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. Um, I was listening to the Beyond the Screenplay podcast. I don't know. Oh, I, I had that. Yeah. I had that guy from it on, but um, they did an episode on Moonrise Kingdom recently, which which is my favorite of his movies. And they were talking about how, mm-hmm. like, the dog dying in that movie. That movie feels so playful, and it almost like like I like having something actual and like tragic happen in the movie it sort of adds weight to the story and makes you feel like okay this is like a world in which like horrible things can still happen it's not it's not it's not like a pretend world where everything's all beautiful and happy it it, or or if you never saw any tragedy happen you wouldn't think that there were any consequences to characters actions i guess yeah and i think that after that the dog's death in that movie it kind of like it kind of becomes more dark uh, mm-hmm. tonally and like all the cinematography just like gets a shade darker because uh, at the beginning totally. it's like they're like sending the there's like sending letters and all that stuff and it's like very happy and uh, you know he flew the coop all that stuff uh, <laughs> and then and then it just gets like darker and I think that's kind of like in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel where it goes from it goes from uh, it goes to from like color to black and white after he says he's she passed away yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, like, even more sad stuff happens after that with uh, Gustav's, Gustav H's death. I know. I know. That's such a brutal scene. Um, yeah, I think, I think that my favorite scene in the movie, I'm between two, and if you take my second one, I will kill you. I think my favorite scene in the movie is Zero's interview. Oh, love that scene. Oh my gosh. I think I think you get a sense of the place. You get a sense like it's You get a sense of Gustav's power. You get a sense his of his power. power. His, you know, he's his walking ab- along and yeah. he's all like and he's all like these are he's, he points at the flowers and he's like, These are totally unacceptable. <laughs> and he's like yelling at people along the way while interviewing him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it reminded me of like, it's sort of like a chaotic calm that he has to him while he's walking around. And then you, you'll get a sense of Zero's backstory. It's also just a great way to like add exposition when you're like, if it's, if it's an interview and the characters are trying to get to know each other, then you're getting to know the characters at the same time. And I thought that was just like a really clever way of just like jumping you into this world and getting to know these two characters super quickly. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, and, you know, as he's explaining to him, he's saying that he's, like, he studied reading and spelling. And, uh, but he's, and he says that he, that he, he kept saying, the, he says that, uh, he keeps saying, like, zero. He's like, do you have all that stuff? And then uh, they, he asks him what his family is, and he says that he has zero family, which is, like, a, you know, it, like, tells you that there's more to the character. Right, um, zero. Right. It's not just you know like a lobby boy that wants to work as as at the Grand Budapest Hotel until he says, uh, you know, why work at the Grand Budapest Hotel? And he's like, oh, well, why not? It's an institution, and uh, that's the only reason he uh, gets the job. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, you're hired. Yeah, and then I love, I, I love those, I, I, I love. Both of those performances are great in the movie. Um, Gray finds is sort of playing against type because I think at this point in 2015, he'd sort of been typecast as the villain, especially after, like, I mean, especially after his role in Harry Potter. 
But oh, I yeah. mean, I think he's never sort of this light. I think that like almost in all of his roles, like even when he's the protagonist, he's very heavy. And this 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 movie and his character is so kind of light on his feet. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that that's a great performance. But I also think that Tony Revolori's performance yeah. is so great. And I really wanted to see more from him in different movies. And he was he has not been cast in like really anything. I know. What's else. he doing these days? Yeah, I don't know. But he was really great in that. Uh, so good. So what was the second? scene that you were going to talk about oh well i'll i'll pick that next if you don't pick it so so it's your turn so i'm gonna say my second favorite scene is the scene where zero uh uh, you know he doesn't bring the later panache it's the the prison scene with zero oh yeah he doesn't he so like they break out which this is like a double scene where it starts with like everyone in the prison and they like break out this is a great you know escape scene it's not the best, though, because Toy Story 3 has the best escape scene. <laughs> um, that scene is so good. It's, like, 30 minutes long. It's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, but they, like, escape, and they get out, and all of the people that he escaped with go away, you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, Harvey, Harvey Keitel slaps him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then he asks if he brought, like, food and water, and then he asks if he brought his perfume, the later panage, and... He he hasn't brought it, and then he starts screaming at him and telling that him that he's you know that he's that he shouldn't have come here and that he's he doesn't deserve to be at a highly institutional thing. And why did he why did he come all the way over here to just be like a to be a hindrance to everyone? And then he explains that the war killed his entire family and all that stuff. And it's like a really sad scene. That's another sad scene in this movie. It's actually a really sad scene now. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty sad scene, but I mean, Um, yeah, I think, I think it does sort of speak to their dynamic though. Like they have this thing where they start off where like the lobby boy is the lobby boy and the, is he the manager? What's his, he's the monsieur, the monsieur, the monsieur, it's it, it's like the monsieur and the lobby boy and 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 then over time they kind of become peers like there's this weird yeah. dynamic. And, and and i think it's all due to zero and like the way he he's very like yes sir yes sir yes sir until he really disagrees with something and then he'll put his foot down on something you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and i think that because of that um kostov sort of respects him more and and they start to they sort of end up on equal equal playing fields in some ways if that makes sense yeah yeah i think that yeah i think that that's a really good scene for you know showing that you know they're not just you know it's like i'm gonna use a quote right here uh from my favorite show of all time you you're uh you stopped being uh a study a study group when you just became a community which is a Seen, which is a quote from Community. From, from Community. <laughs> yeah. But that quote is like really, it's like that in Grand Budapest Hotel where, you know, they stop becoming just, you know, they don't work at the same hotel now. They are now, you know, they, they're now like friends and yeah, you know, exactly. they're in the same boat and they're trying to help uh, solve everything. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they go through the sewer because... Uh, the alarm sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. My uh, my next favorite scene, which you did not pick, is the mountain chase. 
Oh, why? I, oh, man. That's a, that's a really good scene. Okay, so so part of the reason I love it so much is that... Wait, are you counting the part where they're like, uh, are you Monsieur Gustavage from the Grand Budapest Hotel in uh, Naples Plum? I really want to take that scene, but you I'll have split to count it. Oh, no, 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 I'll no, split it. I'll you have to I'll count it together. I'll split it because because I want to. I, I have a couple things to say about the ski chase, and then I'll let only, only the Willem Dafoe part. Yeah, I'll take the Willem Dafoe part, and then I'll yeah okay. yeah yeah. So so the ski chase is based on a ski chase from my favorite James Bond movie, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and Ooh. that's he that's steals very, a lot in this movie. He steals, he steals so much, but but in the best way possible. I mean it's. Mm-hmm like like it's not totally stealing because it's so much in his own style that like i think it's like his interpretation of other scenes in some ways like like i remember seeing some youtube video about how the uh the museum chase is from i was about to bring that up later i was gonna bring that up it's from torn curtain it's the hitchcock i haven't seen torn curtain i haven't seen Torn Curtain. i'll let you talk about that one later but um so so um yeah so the ski chase um especially with like the bobsledding in it and all that um is from my favorite james bond worst james bond performance by the way i don't know if you know anything about yeah, this movie okay i've watched every uh, james bond movie and hell this yeah is a, this is a conversation for another day but <laughs> how was that her favorite james bond movie they knew that sean connor was gone and they knew that they had to just create like the best bond movie and i think that they created the best bond movie around the worst actor yeah, it's just a the great only reason movie. that I say this is because Skyfall. I adore Skyfall. I Skyfall think that Skyfall awesome. is one of the most beautiful movies ever made. Roger Deakins is so good with that. Oh my oh. god! Like, there's a lot of great, you know, new like dynamics with like the Dame Judi Dench and yeah. his the person that owns that that still stays at his house in Skyfall. Uh, and that's like a really good dynamic at the end of the film when Dame Judi Dench dies because, you know, he got to know her in the first five hours that they knew each other. Uh, and it was like a really, it's a really sad scene to see that she passes away with, you know, leaving behind, uh, the man that she loves. Anyways. Yeah. That's, that's why it's my favorite. But, uh, where, where were we with, with our movie? You were talking about the ski scene because it's copied from... On Her Majesty's Secret Service, I believe, is the one that you were referencing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think um, I think part of the reason I love that ski scene is because um, is because like I think it's the first time Chris Anderson really styles his outside world the same way he styles his inside world, if that makes sense. Like if you look mm. at if you look at previous movies, like you look at Moonrise Kingdom, even which is like the scene, which w- it's basically all outside. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mostly outside, but the outside looks. It looks like like outside. Shot- yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it was shot on location. It looks it looks real, and and these mountains look look like a cartoon, and they're all like the the them. He's seeing down, and it's first person perspective of them. Yeah. That's so fake, and it's the best thing ever. You can, like, it's it's so, like, it really seems like claymation because you only see, like, the back of him, and he just curves over the rat. It's, like, very, very fake style. But it's so gorgeous, you don't it's care, so you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it's the first time you really, you really get a sense that he's going all out with like the set design in this movie. And it's, um, it's, it's so, so unique to him that, that I think, I think that scene always blows me away when I see it. And I think it's his first time really doing kind of acts is is the first time really doing like action and suspense, which I was really kind of shocked by when I saw it in theaters. Um, but like, well, besides, well, the only other thing that ever has that's going to have action and suspense uh, is French Dispatch. You can just tell from the trailer. Oh yeah, it's coming. It's oh, coming. it's coming, and it's going to be so good. I'm excited. But I was like, okay, I'm confused. Is it coming out in 2021 or next month? Because it was supposed to come out in next month, and there was no delays at all. But then I saw a post on Instagram saying that it was going to come out in 2021. It's currently so, taken off the schedule, which is just like, it's delayed indefinitely. I'm just oh like, why aren't That's they so putting sad. this out? But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely coming in the French dispatch, but I, I, I was really, I was really impressed that he was able to do sort of suspense and action in his own style. Cause mm. that wasn't something I was expecting from him previously. Mm. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's your favorite that's your favorite scene because it copies on her majesty's secret service yeah i think so well it's my second mm-hmm. favorite scene but second yeah. favorite what what would be your next favorite are you going to take the first part of the chase okay i was gonna do that but then you brought up the torn curtain scene and now um, i have to talk about that because that scene is so good it's really that good. is that is another very suspenseful you know action scene where, so it copies the entire scene from the another museum scene in Tor Curtain, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Everything is the exact same framing and all, besides the fact that uh, Willem Dafoe goes on a motorcycle and the salmon in Torn Curtain goes on a bike, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a really suspenseful scene, and so they're walking through this museum, and the museum closes in like 10 minutes or something. Well, and, it says 15, and then it says 14 yeah. when the next guy walks in, which yeah. I love. That means some guy's just changing out the cards every minute. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, and then, so, they, so they're going in, and uh, he's going towards this thing, and he sees, Willem Dafoe is going absurdly slow just to make it like an action movie. You can tell Willem Dafoe is only wanting to make it look like an action movie. I'm just thinking that way. Yeah. Uh, if you ever watched Funny Games... It's uh, in funny I'm games. Not. He's uh, the main characters always try to make it suspenseful so that cause so that you know it's all played out like a movie. Um, but he he's like very going so slow, and he's you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum's running away, and then there's a there he goes into like a door that's like completely black, and uh, Willem Dafoe takes off his shoes so he can be quiet. And then he's like walking out and Willem Dafoe, like he's walking out the door and Willem Dafoe grabs him and chops off his fingers with the door. Oh my gosh, it's so violent. That is the most violent scene in any Willem, uh, Wes Anderson movie ever, in my opinion. Besides like the suicide scene and Ryan and Moms. It's so unexpected. I think you just laugh. Like I laughed yeah. the first time you he, saw you it. You can hear like Jeff Goldblum scream thro- yeah. like from the door and... Uh, and then Willem Dafoe comes in and just takes all the fingers and walks away. And that's <laughs> yeah. the end of that. Yeah, speaking of attention to detail, I saw this um, clip of him on set. 
just like perfectly arranging the fingers exactly the way oh yeah yeah he wanted them to you know it's mm-hmm. so it's so amazing again just like the details he puts in all these things you're like but the fingers just fell on the ground of course they fell that way but um yeah that's such a great that's such a great scene and it's the first time i think i was in one of his movies and i was just like on the edge of my seat like uh like yeah, it's what's like, gonna uh, happen what's it uh what's the saying jude law at the beginning he's like uh as the saying goes like something in zabrovka uh and or on the edge of my seat i need to memorize that i i've seen this movie like 10 times and i haven't memorized that i need to get that it's called like gush the burger or something like that oh you're good i'm always bad with quotes so don't <laughs> I'm, I'm a big guy on quotes i am big on quotes good but, well yeah. then you'll be ready for the end of the podcast Mm. <laughs> um yeah so st- um, now that's suspenseful right there now mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. foreshadowing <laughs> oh my this is gonna be get- it's gonna be an action movie it's gonna be an action movie and then like oh, yeah. oh let me see it's my turn for a scene isn't it yes it is third favorite scene um let me think i'm gonna do the first train scene oh great scene Love that scene. That's such a good scene. Um, I think because... She was 85 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I love... A couple things happen for the first time in that scene. Uh, for the first time, you get to see Gustav stand up and put his life in danger for his lobby boy. You get to yeah, see you, him... It's a, and, but he also, like specifically puts his life in danger because he yeah. tells them that he's an immigrant. He's like, you can't arrest him because he's a bloody immigrant. And then everyone stares at him. And then the camera switches because the, the score is like, has like a, the big, uh, like it has like a something playing in the background and it's like very suspenseful and it's like flashing between every single character. And then they grab them and shove them between the doors. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, no, it's so great. It's so great. And, and so it's the first time. So yeah, I mean, he, 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 he clearly does something wrong. And then after that point, he's like, he's like, if you're taking him, you're taking me too. And he puts up this fight and whatever. So, so it's the first time you really see him stand up for his employees. Um, and then, and then also um, the scene with Ed Norton. It's, you, yeah. It's, start, it's um, Hankles. It's uh and he walks in and he's like, I'm the concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel or whatever. At the end of that scene is the moment where you see him and he's like, oh, but it's a fleeting glimmer of humanity. Oh, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's some, you know, brief glimpses of humanity in the slaughterhouse we call, no, and there's some brief glimpses of, you know, beauty in the slaughterhouse we call humanity or something like that. Yeah, and um, there's ah, F it, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, he just, he's just like, he he's can't. like, I oh, forget all that. Like, like. Yeah, he's a uh, he, he. That's like the first when he. That's like the first time he talks about romantic poetry. He's a big poetry guy throughout that whole entire yeah, movie. Cool. He gives you know romantic poetry is the book that he gives Agatha. Zero gives Agatha. I know. And Agatha gives uh, says poetry at the end of the scene at the beginning of the scene where Gustav dies, and then uh, Zero when they get out of the prison he. Uh, he says a poem as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of poetry in in it throughout. And the other thing that I've heard is that all the newspapers that show up in the movie were all completely written 
probably Wes Anderson. So if you pause it and look at oh yeah, I actually I I read some of the uh, when he when he's like when he's like uh, he has the do not disturb sign and he, uh, Zero's getting the paper and he you know runs up the columnar funicular and he goes all yep. the way up and he shows him the newspaper and I paused it and I read the whole thing and it's really really great. It's really it's so hilarious. Great. It's so great. I'll have to check that out sometime. Like, I think the three things you learn about him in that scene are that he'll stand up for his employees. He's been extremely kind to the people in his past, which you learn through the police officer. Um, and, and then the third one is that he's putting on this sort of, like, like um, kind of society that always says profound things and then he's just like oh whatever like that's you know like yeah he like says all of these like he says all of these he's you know he tries to make it a teaching moment or something he's always like very he says you know all of these very you know like historical things and he's like yeah. the way that he talks is very you know poetic like uh and i think that he's trying to copy some of the po poets uh and i think that I, I believe that I had a I saw an interview with uh, Wes Anderson talking about how all of his favorite poetry is in that movie, and all of the quotes are from like his favorite books of poetry. Oh, that's something. cool. That's so cool. I, I think that. that that's like a really cool you know detail. Or I'm just completely wrong, and I just heard it wrong, and I'm uh, <laughs> I just forgot everything. <laughs> that's also possible. No, I love it. Um, is there another scene you want to uh, you want to touch on, or do you want to move on from scenes? Uh, uh, we could go on to the scene of uh, that. Oh wait, it's a great scene. The scene where they're going throughout the this like church, which is like not even a church. Like you have no idea what it is, and they're going to actually. Nope, hold on. I am scratching that entire thing. We're gonna talk about the. Uh, the six keys, the sight of the cross. Oh, damn. Yes, that is damn. a great scene. You took mine again. That is such a good scene. Oh my gosh. They take over, take over for me. Yeah, I'm taking it all over. All right. So he, they, they escape through sewers from the prison and he goes to the, he goes to the phone booth and he's like yelling at, uh, I forget who it is. Uh, it might be Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson's a part of the society of the cross keys, I believe. Right. And he's like, he's like, uh, I need to call on the help of, and then it just cuts to the part like six or something of the Society of the Cross Keys. And you have no idea, like they never come up anything any other time besides that one scene. But it's, they're like, they need to call upon all these other people. And so they, if he's like, oh, I need to call upon this person. And then they, someone, you know, some like person was like, oh, it's like, I don't know, some of like the best actors in the world. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> for only there for like a little second. And then uh, he's like, I need you. And uh, then he tells the person that came to tell him, uh, uh, you know, take over. And so like, they're like, he's like uh, showing like, he's doing like all of these things. And it's like, what's the, what's the thing where he's like trying to revive someone or something? He's doing like, yeah, he's doing TPR, CPR, and, yeah. and then the other guy takes over for him, and like that's such a that is one of the funniest scenes throughout the entire movie. Oh my gosh, it's so funny! It's so funny, and it and it and um. Then when mm -hmm. Bill Murray gets in the car when he picks him up, he gives him the later panage. So and you know 
that's when you like realize that his perfume is like his lifeline. Oh yeah, and that scene where he tips him because like that's how they that's how yeah. they give thanks to each other, even mm-hmm. though they're like bosses of these hotels, they like have to yeah. tip each other. It's so funny. I love that part. Yeah, yeah. No, that scene is so great, and I think um, I think what's so great about it is this whole world of these concierge of these palaces in like eastern europe it seems so like foreign and self-important and then you really get a sense of like how like self-important these people are and how how seriously they take their jobs and how much they care about the other people that are also Mm -hmm. in these positions and stuff and you get a sense of like just scale with all this stuff of like of like yeah like that's important to like these guys that 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 have these very specific jobs that probably don't exist anymore mm-hmm. now that i'm thinking about this this scene i'm kind of i'm disappointed with my choice because there's so many good scenes and it's hard to pick the correct one like you know the scene where they're, sh- they're doing the shootout in the in the hotel that's oh, yeah. a great scene um that ending scene the opening scene with the kid trying to shoot his the jude law when he's older um, oh yeah <laughs> like all of that stuff is so great and it like but i think that that is such a great scene in the society of the cross keys yeah definitely definitely well if, if you want we could just talk about like i mean other things that work so well about this movie um i think you mentioned to me at one point that you love this score right it's it's my, it's my favorite score of all time and all right it is so it is this is, it's hard to explain. It is so good. Every single little song is like, you know, it has like this, you know, own little, you know, you know, little, you know, one, one of his like quirks in it with like, you know, the people of Zabrovka singing like a song that you don't even understand what they're saying. Uh, but it's like the opening shot of the thing is all of them singing. Well, it's not all of them singing, but you hear the music in the background. And, you know, the Moonlight Sonata and the credits is mm-hmm. a really, really great. Like, everyone says that that's their favorite one. But I think that my favorite one is, so, like, the, the, war, the you know, most of, like, the music is, like, starts off on, like, the two notes. It's just him, like, playing two notes on the piano. And it's, like, it's, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like that the whole entire time. Uh, and my favorite song is when... Zero is explaining, uh, you know, how, why he left his country and why, because of the war killed everyone. And like that song is played in like the lowest key and it's like really sad and it's like played at like such a low level that you can't really even hear it. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you don't really notice it until you like go into Spotify and you listen to it 15 times. Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's really, it's really like a beautiful, it's very, it's very melodic and it's, it's really sad. It's like a. It's like the only sad song in the entire thing, but it's it stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think I, I, th- I think the score is just so. Um, it really it, it it captures what you love about Wes Anderson's um, sets and his worlds, which is just that it's it's light and airy but it feels kind of important Mm -hmm. and like i think throughout like the score has this thing where it still manages to be suspenseful and sad like you were talking about 
And um, yeah, I mean, he's just a really impressive composer. I just love Alexander Desplat. Yeah, he he also did um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. And And Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. But like, that's not his only stuff that he did. He also did like some other great scores. Uh, Little Women's a great one, but yeah, Little Women's a good one. Mm, but uh, he's my favorite composer, besides Nicholas Bertel, uh, who I was just great. Nicholas Bertel, yeah, for sure, for sure. Succession's such a good show. But uh, <laughs> shout yeah. out to Succession. Everyone watched Succession. Succession is amazing. Succession's awesome. Yeah. Succession's um, great. Cat being thrown out the window. I also just have that in my notes. Like, just oh. like that. Just that scene like, just gets me every time. It's just it's and yeah, because the ridiculous. the sisters are all like, you know, he throws the cat out the window. He's like, did she just throw my cat out the window? And the sisters like, what? He never he did that. Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Even though it's like right in front of them, and that's like the only scene where they speak. Besides the scene where they realize that he stole the boy with apple, like, which oh, is I funny. Thought you just took it down, and yeah, there's so because weird, we never sister. talked about boy with apple throughout this entire time. Yeah, and then I love I love how at the um at the very beginning of the movie, which you only really notice if if you've seen the movie, um, it's sitting right behind like the concierge desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the end of the movie, when he's he's like F. Murray Abraham's like going throughout the thing, and he gives him, and he goes into like the concierge desk. He, uh, he's uh, John's like concierge Jean, uh, Monsieur Jean is not there, Jason Schwartzman, uh, which is probably because he's crying in his room because <laughs> F. Murray Abraham said <laughs> yeah, exactly. something terrible about him. Um, but so, and then it's like tilted. And so he walks through into the, into the, the desk and he, you know, tilts it back to it being perfectly symmetrical, which is like, like if that happened in any of Wes Anderson's movies where he did like a shot and something was, un- was like not tilted or like not in the correct way. I feel like Wes Anderson would like throw the camera out the window because of hatred of that shot. Totally. And I feel like it's kind of like, you know, very, it shows like F. Murray Abraham's character is very much like the Wes Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got that, he's got that perfectionism that he mm-hmm. inherited from Monsieur Gustave. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And then and, and then also speaking of that, I love the sort of sixties cheap kind of orange redo of the hotel. The oh, weird remodel yeah. that they have. It's but so perfect. It's, it's beautiful as well as being like uh eh, compared to like, you know, the the old Arabian baths and everything. Yeah. It's um, it's kind of ugly, but it's like it's it's sort of beautiful in its uh, ugliness. I don't know. It's it, it works really. It it's just it's a really funny. I think that the outside of have. the I think the outside of the hotel looks terrible because yeah. it's like all gray and it looks like a prison. But the inside's kind of like you know light and very like fun, even and like all orange. And the Arabian baths are like the paint is like decaying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be under the iron curtain in like Eastern Europe, I think. So it's supposed to be like all kind of like communists took over and everything's all like drab Mm -hmm. and single tone and simple. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, I can't say enough about just like the whole set design in this film and like the the production production design design. is amazing. It's really like everything is so specific and like you just there's like you notice this like little things in the background uh of like all of his shots so the later panache uh when he's at the concierge desk 
there's actually like so I believe I believe this is what it is. You can see later Panage on like the wall uh, next to like the, all the keys and the and Boyeth Apple on the concierge desk in like the future. And later Panage is I really I really love the idea of like his perfume. You know, it's very yeah. Anderson always adds like uh, their favorite things. You know, things in like the movie that are very particular to them, like. I love the name Air de Panache. That's just like mm-hmm. so so hilarious. But also, yeah. um, I I don't want to get like too like high school English classy on you. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like like I feel like Air de Panache sort of represents his his sort of panache that he puts on part like the hotel guests and stuff like it's like he doesn't feel like himself if he isn't in his perfume and done up and sort of mm. like in his proper self it's like it, it, it's sort of the facade that he puts on to other people yeah you he has a there's something behind his character it's not just you know you know a very fancy you know concierge and you know, all that stuff. He also, you know, has a sad side and, like, an angry side, and he's completely different when around, like, people that he knows well and that he trusts. I, I have a good question for you. If you were a director, if, if, if you were a director <laughs> and um, you had to have, like, a family of actors that you always called upon, who would be, like, your five actors that you just want in everything? Um, okay. I would say, uh, can I call upon people from the dead? Can I resurrect people? Yeah, why not? Uh, okay. I will say, uh, Shishu Ryu, who is a very famous Japanese actor, and he's in a lot of Ozu movies. Ozu's tied for favorite director. Okay, you're going old school. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, he's really, really good in all of the stuff that I've seen, and he's, like, he's awesome. very emotional as well as being like very blank faced and just do nothing. So I think I'd call upon him, uh, Adrian Brody, because I just love him in Darjeeling Limited. Love him in that. Uh, this is hard. This is very difficult. It's uh, hard. Maybe Tilda Swin. Love her in a lot of stuff. Uh, okay. Johnny Depp. That's. Yeah, fantastic. Have to add him because I love him in all of the Pirates movies. He's so yeah. good. I'm He's about so good. to watch uh-huh. At World's End. I'm about to watch At, At World's End because I'm watching them for my friend. And uh, and the first two are so good. Oh my gosh. He's so good in them. I didn't I didn't really appreciate his performance until I just. Um, I rewatched Pirates of the Caribbean one about a month ago, and I was just like, "Oh God, he's so good." Mm, and like, I haven't watched Edward, but uh, supposedly he's amazing at in Edward. Um, and then I'll say, so Johnny Depp. I've have I have three? No, I have five. You have you have, have, you, you have four. Five. So you what have so far you put. Tilda Swinton. Chishu Ryu. Chishu Ryu. You put Adrian, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody and uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp. You have one more. One more. Ooh. Now that's difficult. Um, this is different compared to every single one of them, but I have to say Jesse Eisenberg. Ooh, I like it. I, I'd like I to see him in a Wes Anderson movie. Yes. That would be so good. Oh, my gosh. God, he'd be Jesse so perfect. Eisenberg, 
he he's in I feel like he needs to get like a good break because every single movie that he plays, his his like emotional performance is just a blank face and like maybe like yeah. a single tear in social network. But like that's it. Uh but I really love him in social network. I really love that. He's so good in social network. I feel like he's struggling sort of aging a bit just because like he sort of works well as like a nerdy dude in his twenties. I mean, it's the same problem yeah, I feel that like, like you know the only you know I feel like the only two things that I really have ever you know known him from is like Squid and uh, Squid and the Whale, and uh, I actually don't even that's Noah Baumbach, and yeah. uh, and then Social Network, and like the only I feel like Social Network is like his only big big break. Have you seen Adventureland? Adventureland? Uh, no. It's a good one. It's a really good one. What is he's that? Really good is that it. who is in that? Uh, he's in it. Martin Starr is in it. Um, Kristen Stewart is in it. Kristen Stewart. Oh man. Oh, that reminds me. Cafe <laughs> Society. He's in that one, and I adore yeah. Cafe Society. I've uh, seen that one. I am really sad that all of my friends think it's terrible and one of the worst movies ever to be made. It is. In my, I love it so much. It's like a very, you know, 30s movie, and it's got some of the best cinematography. Yeah, I'll just check that one out. Mm. I think, I think for mine, if I'm gonna do this, um, I think. So I'm gonna, I have to, I'd have to put my all-time favorite actor on there, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he's so good. Oh man. Um. So Philip Seymour Hoffman. Have you, wait. Uh, what's your favorite performance from him? The Master. Oh, I haven't seen that, but Capone. Uh, what's, what's oh, it? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, it? yeah. What's it called? It's uh, uh, Capote. Capote. Great performance. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, he transforms completely. Mm. Um, so Philip Seymour Hoffman's like my all-time favorite actor. So I put him on there. Mm. Um, I feel like you can't have too many A-listers, right? Because like Wes Anderson, yeah. right? Because you can't have... You, you like can't... Adrian Brody is only known for the pianist out of Wes Anderson. Yeah, exactly. And like like you, need to, you need to have people that like... They're like, there's always like one or two A-listers. They're going to be available. But yeah, so you can't have like... I feel like you can have too many A-listers. So I'm going to put Bill Hader on there. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's I really love fantastic. Bill Hader. Um, I, so... Dream podcast guest, by the way. If oh, he, if dream he's podcast ever, guest? Yeah. Bill Hader. Bill Hader, if you are watching, <laughs> DM Please contact the show on instagram or twitter and tell him that you would like to be in an episode please i gotta go ah is betty davis too mainstream i i wouldn't say that she's too mainstream can i put betty davis on there betty davis yeah you can do. You can do whatever you want you don't need to you can it's my show you can be like uh chris pratt uh chris evans Every single person in Avengers. You can do let's, any let's, of that. Let's do all the Chris's then. Chris's. Um, uh, okay, so Bill Hader, Betty Davis, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then I'm going to go Tony Collette. Oh, that's great. She, her and Hereditary, she was so snubbed in that movie. Oh, my god. Oh, she's gosh. so good in that. That is great. And I haven't watched them thinking of anything, but it's supposed to be like – very hereditary vibes. Oh, her. for sure. For sure. Um, and then my last pick. 
is uh, I'm going to go a little off the wall here and go Michael Madsen. Oh, wait. Uh, have you watched The Hunt? Oh, you're thinking of Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. I am so dumb right now. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of Casino Royale, The Hunt, and that, that new like Danish movie that's coming out this year. Michael uh, Madsen is in a is... bunch of Tarantino movies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. And I just love, I, I think he's so like suave and like weird. I, I just, I love. The I love reason the I don't vibe. know about him much is because I haven't watched a single Tarantino. Oh, wow. Even well, though, like, I really want to watch *Inglorious Bastards*, that's like high on my watch list. You'll get there. You'll get there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think those would be my five. But I mean, I could easily just do all SNL people and just go like Fred yeah. Armisen, Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen. Hader, he's gonna be Wade, in that new Jason show. Sudeikis. That's gonna. He's gonna be in the new A24 show, *Moonbase 8. Where? It's a comedy show with Fred Armisen and uh, uh, what's it? What's the guy that he's in Chicago and uh, Hard Eight and what's uh, his John C. Riley? Yeah, John C. Riley's gonna be in it and like a ton of other people. It's gonna be great. Oh, this looks it's so a comedy fun. show. Yeah. Mm. Anything else you want to touch on with the movie? Um, I think I have to talk about the scene, uh, the shootout. Oh yeah. The ending, like shootout thing, where. Like, they have the the ending shootout, and <laughs> when they're they're all going in, and Agatha goes in, and he said, and she goes, you know, compliments for the staff, uh, from Mendel's or whatever, and then it's like, and then uh, uh, Tony Revolori and Ray Fiennes come in, and they're like compliments from Mendel's, and the guy that has like that's at the door has like all the Mendel's spirit all over his face. Yeah, that's a, that makes me laugh every time. That's but, so funny. Um, it's like a. It's also like another suspense scene with Adrian Brody hunting down her, and you know they go up the elevator, and they go out the doors, and uh, Zero and uh, Gustave H, Gustave go out the door, go through the uh, elevator on the other side of the room as well, and they both come out, and then. Like Adrian Brody's like grabs a gun and just immediately starts shooting at him, and then everyone breaks out of their doors and starts shooting at every single person throughout the entire hallway. It's so it's so ridiculous and, and so funny. And Hankles says, and Hankles comes in and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" And he's like, "He like stole my he stole my uh my painting and he's the murderer of my mother." And then he's. <laughs> And then they like accuse each other, and then Agatha runs off the thing and falls into the Mendel's truck, and so does Zero. That's such a perfect the, shot of such the a perfect shot of them hanging there, mm-hmm. and them in the truck together with all the Mendel's boxes all around them. Oh yeah! Oh, I love that shot. And then he, she says, like, "There's something in the painting." So, what to you is the meaning of um, like? Why would she have written a will in the event of her murder? Is it because, I mean, she was she was getting pretty suspicious when she was first talking to Gustav. Why do you think she would have written that? Because that's, that's one thing I was a little confused by. I, okay, so I think that you can tell that the family, her family, is very hungry for all of the things that she has. 
And right. I think that she was actually, so what my, my, my thoughts are that she, uh, that she wrote it in the death of her murder because she thought that she was going to be killed by her family to get, so that they could get everything that she owned. Yeah. Right? She, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's true, but she, she doesn't, she doesn't explicitly express that. She just seemed like something bad was going to happen. So I don't know if she specifically yeah. thought that she was going to get murdered or what, but yeah, I, 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 th also, I thought that was sort they of never tell. They that. really never tell you who murdered her. No, they don't. That's true. That's true. That's so sort of left up. You can like think about it because it, it could be Adrian Brody or Willem Dafoe or all of those characters or Gustav could have actually killed her or something like that. Also, they never, sh they, uh, they, we never know who was the owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel, but somehow Zero gets the all ownership to the Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, I thought, I thought we found out in that end scene that, that it turns out that Tilda Swinton's character was the owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is why it went to Gustav and then Zero. Everything went to Gustav, yeah. So when should they say everything went to Gustav? Do you mean like, I don't think they explicitly- They said, they said something like, like, which it turns out she was the dam of this estate, or they said something to that effect. The I owner think, of the estate or something. I think, I think she said, but I think, I think they said something that implied that she owned the hotel too. Mm -hmm. And then that's the reason why Deputy Kovacs worked for both of them. That that would yeah actually that would make that explain sense. that yeah. we figured it all out. <laughs> wow, uh, this is not gonna this is gonna be one of those clickbaity videos on YouTube, uh, and it's like we found out the secret truth about Grand Budapest Hotel question mark exclamation point. And then like, I'm just gonna make everyone listen being to like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, shock! You know, like the like our faces, our mouths are covered. We're all like <gasps> brains are being exploded. It's insane. <laughs> well, in the spirit of time, we should probably wrap it up. Um, yeah. Because I mean, there's so much to talk about here, but but just 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 in the spirit of not letting people, just you know, keeping it under a certain, yeah. <laughs> a certain time limit. But um, yeah. what um, I usually have people wrap up like I like I've been foreshadowing Ooh, by saying it was like a quote, it was like really suspenseful like I was on the edge of my seat even yeah, though I'm I know. sitting on the ground I was on the edge of my <laughs> I was on the I edge think of the it, ground so you can say any quote that you want but from it has to be in, from any movie but it has to be in character has to be in character I, I in the spirit of the movie I will do my favorite quote from the movie uh this is gonna be terrible I'm so sorry <laughs> they have to experience this because I am young and Monsieur Gustave is old. Um, <laughs> it's like a, well, hello there, chaps. Great quote. Love that line. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on. This has been super fun. Uh, yeah. Great movie. Super fun. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.